welcome to season two of On the Outskirts. With me, Sophia Rosemary and Alice Catherine. With the festive season well and truly upon us, we wanted to give a special shout out to small businesses and the creative industries in general who have taken a huge hit this year. With this in mind, we encourage everyone to shop small where possible, share independent stores far and wide, and of course donate what you can to those who are most vulnerable this Christmas. You can find lots of great suggestions in our show notes as always, including links to the UNICEF Christmas shop and the incredible Oxfam online shop where you can buy stocking fillers like secondhand books, vintage pieces, as well as essentials like emergency food and clean water for families in crisis. everyone before we started recording and we were chatting Alice is in a super good mood <laughs> she literally we, we were talking for a few minutes before this and she was like why are you so happy so that goes to show how I've been for the rest of the year compared to no, I only meant it in a very good loving way but also please transfer some of your energy over to me because I feel like I'm having one of those bad days that was me yesterday I think and I think because I have had about I'm on my sec- third coffee I think now at this point so I'm <laughs> caffeine fueled so I'm gonna come down crashing after this episode <laughs> Or during the episode, maybe we can see like several yeah. different versions of Alice throughout the episode. Yeah, let's highlight that now, shall we? <laughs> no. uh, how has your week been then? Bad? Good? Um, okay, I'd say. Do you know, it's, I hate to be that guy, but I'm really shocked at how quick November is going. It's flown by, hasn't it? Like at a scary, at a really, really scary rate, it seems to have just zoomed by. Um, So I'm going to say my week's been okay, but I actually can't really recall the start of it. (laughs) I don't know what that says about me. Yeah, I've had a, I've had one of those few weeks where lots of things have been going wrong. And when it got to the third thing that had got wrong, that had gone wrong, I was like, well, bad things come in threes usually. And then I was like, well, now we're on the 10th bad thing that's happened. So <laughs> I don't think this rule applies anymore. Um, for example, I finally got to the dentist after months of trying to get an appointment and then them being cancelled. Um, and I went to the dentist. And so basically half of my tooth had sort of fallen off whilst I was eating them. Um, uh, a chicken burger, shall we say? Chicken burger, a nice chicken burger. Um, and I think it had been maybe like a filling or something I had when I was like sixteen. I only have two, and I think that was one of them. Right. <laughs> and so I finally went to this dentist appointment. I wasn't in pain or anything; it's fine. So I thought, hopefully, they can rebuild it. And she basically said my two options were to have root canal, which probably wouldn't work. Right. Um, so she was really selling that to me, and I've had it before. It's not pleasant, but whatever. One of the worst procedures you can have. It's be, yeah, but I think um, it's just because of what it sounds like. But I've had it before and I didn't feel anything. It's just the feeling of it's not nice. Um, uh, The second option, would you believe, at age 28, was to have the tooth removed and to have a screw-in tooth. 
a screw in tooth. So I was just looking at her while the whilst these words were coming out of her mouth, like thinking, just this is fine. <laughs> this is so 2020. <laughs> So 2020, of course, I'm going to come away with a screwing tooth. Um, and she could kind of see this emotion on my face. And then she was like, do you know what? Consider when you're not in pain with it, you know, maybe we should do a few tests. So she proceeded to do a few like temperature tests and put like a, something freezing cold on my teeth. I felt nothing. So she, so I've come away basically the, um, with a temporary filling. Um, and, you know, if I don't get any pain, she said, in the next few months, I can have a permanent filling. Otherwise, she said, I may have to explore one of the other two options. Okay. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just like seeing it now as going for a meal in the future and you just being like, bear with me one moment. And sort of <laughs> screwing this tooth. Wooden tooth. Yeah. Um, I just thought, no, that sounds very intense to have like a screw put in your gum and like in your bone and I thought there's still, I just thought I'm not in pain with it. Like, come on, man. Don't you think most um, procedures at the dentist sound very intense, though, and just like an absolute horror? Yeah. And with me, I'm so unlucky. I've got pretty healthy teeth um, and I always have done and never really needed to go to the dentist or have pain with them. But then the odd time I do go, it's like the worst case scenario. <laughs> it's always like, yep, root canal surgery, screw in tooth. <laughs> Um, we were talking about this the other week because um, I have I've got a wisdom tooth which has always never fully grown which sounds a bit gross but it always causes me a lot of aggro I'd say every like three months where it'll just suddenly start hurting is it going like in and out of the gum that's what it is yeah where it's like just peeking through like a little mole um and so I was in so much pain and I was discussing with my boyfriend saying what would what would you prefer toothache or headache it, oh, it's relentless isn't it you know and it's like down your neck as well and it's just agony I'd say on par with toothache though it's like earache yeah. you have a really horrible ear infection when you were younger or anything it was yeah. oh, I was just about <laughs> when you said that then I was gonna go the silent killer it's not a silent killer at all but it's so evil and yet I feel it's underrated evil so underrated yeah I've not had like an ear infection but it's kind of like a kid thing isn't it yeah it is but yeah. they are, it is horrible and all-consuming and then yesterday um yeah carrying on with my series of unfortunate events <laughs> I've got this really nice big framed um prints in my um hallway and I was hoovering fell into it and then it smashed into like a thousand pieces and the glass just went everywhere and it was dark it's sort of dark in our flat by like 2 p.m. So I was there with a torch trying to find all this glass, hoovering it up. And then I cut my heel because there was a piece of glass. Of, of course, there was a piece of glass that I'd missed that went into my heel. <laughs> and then we went to the park to try and shoot a a job that I had to do um, for a deadline. And we got there. And I cannot tell you how many children were there. There, there was probably all the children in Manchester <laughs> were at this park running around screaming. And me and Sam were just looking at each other like, I, 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 how are we going to get through this without arguing? <laughs> like, some people would think that as a positive, like lots of happy children everywhere, and you're like, how dare they be in a park? How dare they? On yeah. the only sunny day this week, <laughs> there was some slack. I go to a park now. I'm usually thinking, right, I need to shoot. You know, like my head, my deadline head is on. So it's not like I'm going outside for fun these days. I'm going outside to shoot or to to meet a deadline. So 
yeah. And then on top of that, there was weirdly loads of squirrels, like hundreds of squirrels. Like everywhere we walked, there were these massive squirrels everywhere. They were huge. It, it was a very strange experience, the whole thing. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the last of my moaning, though. No, no, I get it. You know, your week sounds like my. I'm having one of those days today where everything is just kind of like, you know, just a series of events, which on on their own like individually you just kind of go okay this is fine I'm internally screaming but I can deal with it but when there's like loads of them together you're just a bit like okay now something's happening like the universe hates me well that's kind of what's happening to me today it started this morning early hours of this morning with a plant pot and I mean this is a bit scary a, a plant pot just randomly falling off um a shelf Ooh. yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah but then I went back to so all the soil was all over our carpet and I was like right okay it's five o'clock in the morning I'm just gonna go back to bed but me being me I couldn't live with the idea of the soil being on the carpet and the idea of Pep walking through it that I had to start hoovering up at five o'clock in the morning and Joe was just like what kind of evil being are you that you're doing this just like a possessed woman hoovering me hoovering at the bottom of the bed like moaning oh so funny yeah and it's just kind of gone on from there but what you're gonna do you gotta roll with the punches haven't you I think it's also because we've all got such like cabin fever yeah slightest inconvenience I'm just like well of course this was gonna happen (laughs) yeah no completely also where's my DHL man at so I've been waiting for a collection that was supposed to come out 11 till 1 and He's not going to get here till four now. That's a three-hour delay. What has happened in that time? It's almost like it's a pandemic and he might be... um... (laughs) 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 Oh, what? You mean a bit like those children who just want to go to the park? Like those children, those annoying, misplaced children. (laughs) So selfish. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I've got much else to um, I don't feel you. I'm trying to think of something positive. <laughs> positive, positive. Oh, I'm getting my Christmas tree tomorrow. A real one. A real Christmas tree. <laughs> um, how big is it? Describe it to me. <laughs> I don't know yet. I'm going to go and select it. So apparently, I googled this the other day, are Christmas trees essential shopping? And apparently they are, because it's kind of like garden centres. A Christmas tree is an essential item. Like, can you imagine, like, during the war times years ago, like, we, that would have just been laughed at, wouldn't it? Like, I know. <laughs> What are you going to do? <laughs> Moving on from, I guess, the Christmas theme, the Christmas tree, um, we wanted to just quickly cover the Sainsbury's advert, didn't we? Yes. Because um, obviously that's been a big thing that's been in the news and sort of been blowing up on Twitter, the reaction to um, having a black family on the um, new 2020 Sainsbury's Christmas advert. Um, thoughts on that? Bearing in mind as well, it is actually one of three adverts showcasing different families. So I can't express how mad I am about the racist reactions that some people are having to this advert. Um, And the thing that terrifies me about people's reaction to this advert is how they justify their racism. And they stats and figures to kind of put across their point that it doesn't represent me as a white person 95% of uh, British people are white and therefore why is it a black family well yes okay so you know so the 
black population in Britain, I think, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think it's about 5%, maybe, maybe a little less. And I was reading the other day, that's still 2 million people. Mm. So you are disregarding 2 million people as a minority. No, that's bullshit. That's mm. absolute bullshit. And it terrifies me that these people mask their racism as some sort of like just cause like oh we're so underrepresented it's like you're white you're a white British person you've never been underrepresented at all by the media it's people as well that try and wrap up their racism in terms of saying um well it's tokenism it's tokenism to have a to have a black family and it's like First of all, it's like what you said, it's one of three adverts. And tokenism to me is like when something is an afterthought. I don't think it's an afterthought if it's it's a black family. Like that's just something that's on the script, that's written in, that's that's been intentional. Like tokenism is when you have, to me, is like a, a lineup of, say, 20 blonde, really thin models in a swimwear campaign. And then there's a black model stood in the middle. Because I've seen that before. Yeah, of course, yeah. And that's when it's like, oh, this is an afterthought. This this doesn't sit right. This is not intentional. Um, and I just think it's sad that... It's sad, it's shocking, but it's, it's again, it's, it's unsurprising, isn't it, the, the reaction? Because, you, you know, unfortunately, this is this is the world we're living in and we've seen it with... Um, we've seen it with um, the reaction to, like, the election. We've seen it um, throughout the Black Lives Matter movement. And it's just another reminder that... You know, there's still so much work to be done, which is why it's so important to keep talking about it, keep having the conversations. And the work starts at home, doesn't it, with the people that are close to you, the conversations you have with the people around you. I think um, what's also quite scary is I think, you know, we experienced this with Meghan Markle, for example, where there was definitely underlying racism there. And everyone denied it and said, no, no, not not Brits, not us Brits, we're not racist. Then when, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement gained momentum back in June, again, it was no, 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 not us Brits. It was complete denial. And then things like this happen. And it's like, you see, really, we've had to reach this point of just shameless racism before people will believe, yes, it is still prevalent in Britain. And yes, something still needs to be done. And in some ways, things like the Sainsbury's advert incident happening could maybe, I mean, trying to look at it positively, this actually does show how, like you said, how far we do have to go. And maybe mm. it will kind of give people the kick up the bum they need to actually sort of, as you said, like have conversations about it and stand up and go, this isn't right. This is, this is fucking, it's not right. Yeah, a hundred percent. And it, I mean, it's just a shame that we, we don't live in a world where that's not even a thing because we scan through all our channels on the TV at home and you see white people constantly it's okay. like you know most of it's mostly white people that are on game show panels and that are hosts and presenters and it's just yeah I just I can't imagine how exhausting these conversations these like sort of things are to to the black community to keep seeing these sort of hashtags trending and it's just um it's just gross isn't it really they yeah. were yeah. on Twitter was just gross like gross and racist you couldn't you couldn't believe it could you it was almost well you could believe it but it was almost like wow people are really being that brazen about it and actually it's a really lovely advert so I watched it prior to reading the comments and was like oh that kind of, it made me feel a bit teary the advert is a family of carrots <laughs> 
at least Sainsbury's have tried do you know what I mean like it's like they've tried to put some thought into it and make it relevant like make it inclusive but what a family of carrots is is that like where we're happy at like it's just we have a family of turnips somewhere going <laughs> we've been under on we've underrepresented the other thing that we we sort of were going to discuss weren't we was the new Instagram layout obviously way less important um but what are your thoughts on the new Instagram layout as somebody who uses Instagram for business and pleasure? Uh, I feel a bit deflated with it. I think they've made it quite blatantly obvious where their priorities are, such as the fact that they've decided to put conveniently put the shopping icon where the engagement like icon used to be, which is obviously something that you do with muscle memory. So as soon as you're on the Instagram app, you click where that icon used to be and now it takes you to shopping there's something a bit icky about that it's so intentional and intentional and obvious isn't it um and the fact that now to post is a bit of a it's a bit of an effort isn't it it's like you've got to yeah up then it comes up post or story um which is encouraging it to be less and less instant I think because now I would I used to when stories first came out I'd just film straight on my stories and put them up straight away yeah. now I sort of save them throughout the day or the week and then caption them and then put them up so it's yeah. just great and it's pushing us further and further away from what it sort of presented itself to be in the beginning I think was which was this sort of instant app to just share whatever was going on I think it's much becoming much more curated and about money and business and I mean it's these apps do have to evolve and change which I get you know their businesses um and we do sort of have to like move with the times, but it almost feels like now that it's trying to be 10 apps at once, which is making it a bit joyless to use. It's just a bit like, what, what is it trying to be? I don't know. It's yeah. like, it's just like it's trying to be TikTok now as well as everything else. And um, I know what you mean. I think for me, the, the appeal to Instagram when it first came out was its simplicity. It was literally posting a photo of something you loved, captioning it, and, you know, your friends following you and seeing it. And now there's so many different avenues with it. As you said, it's trying to be 10 different apps in one that it's quite it's quite confusing to use. Like, I'm just looking at it now as we're talking. And so the Reels icon is now where the add a post icon used to be. That blows my mind. So I'm wondering. Reels over every other medium that they have on their platforms, such as posting and stories. That doesn't make sense. Because they're competing with TikTok at the minute because TikTok's blown up massively. And I was thinking about this. I was thinking, why is it? Because even people aren't even watching YouTube videos as much as they used to. It's all about TikToks and Reels. And what they have in common to me, they're both fast-moving imagery and it's a fast way to consume content. Um, It's almost like because these apps have got so oversaturated people just don't respond to sort of stillness anymore people don't appreciate the you know the craft that goes into taking a a nice set of images it's almost like people just want to consume a makeup tutorial tutorial within two minutes or they want your whole reading list within two minutes they don't want to sit and read a blog post they don't want to read a long caption it's all like everything's become hyper it's just become so fast paced it's yeah isn't it 
completely and it's kind of I was having this conversation the other day about if you look at all of like the big uh, social media sensations in, over the last year even um, and a lot of those ca- accounts that have kind of blown up in the last year mm. they all bring something so different to the tables than a few years ago when me and you got into blogging or influencing or whatever you want to call it and now it's about being funny and instant and you know you and maybe that says something about 2020 as well because I think people have more time to consume content maybe so maybe Mm. the content they want to see has to be fast-paced and it has to be joyful and it has to be light-hearted um which and I get all of that um but then I'm with you like as someone who very much likes to take a picture and takes time taking pictures it's hard because it does feel joyless at times going on Instagram now yeah it feels like you have to jump on all of the gimmicky sides of stuff to sort of succeed in it nowadays which is I mean it's fair enough like like I said before you do have to kind of move and evolve with things as they change especially if you're running a business on one of these like public platforms but yeah it's just not me I'm not I'm not going to be doing like high kicks and changing 10 outfits in a reel anytime soon (laughs) their own but it just nobody needs to see that from me no (laughs) honestly right kudos to anyone doing the click your finger or the jumping up and your outfit changing there's absolutely not a chance I could get that to the timing right on that in a million years but also at one point I think there was one day when I went on my Instagram and it was like the first four things that came up was were people doing the jumping up and changing outfit and I reached like the fourth one I was like what is this? <laughs> oh, like, am I on the right app? <laughs> Are we in 2035? <laughs> when will this end? And don't get me wrong, like, they're, they're very satisfying to watch. Um, but, yeah, it does feel like trends seem to come in thick and fast these days. And everyone suddenly gets on board. And then you give it a, a, a week and we're on to the next one. And it's it's really hard to keep up. 100%. Uh, what have you been watching since I last spoke to you? I'm really excited to talk to you about this one because I know that you went to go and see it at the cinema and absolutely loved it. And it's just come on to Now TV recently. Uh, but I watched Jojo Rabbit a couple of days ago and just absolutely adored it. Um, fall in love with the kids in it. They're amazing. If I don't have a little boy like Jojo Rabbit, no. then... But I just really aspire to have a child like him. He's so cute. Or his friend. His friend killed oh. him. It's just like, it's so cute. When he's like, I'm going to go home now. I need a hug from my mom. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, we all need that. A brief, brief synopsis on it, for those mm-hmm. who don't know. It's basically, it revolves around um, the Hitler youth. And it revolves around a character called Jojo Rabbit, who is, he's 10 years old. And it basically shows World War Two and be living in Germany. I'd say through a child's perspective, um, well, through a through a Nazi child's perspective, he's very brainwashed um, by uh, Hitler and the Nazi regime as he is Nazi youth. And it's quite, I know this is going to sound like an odd thing to say, but it's very sweet and it's very endearing. Um, and it's really funny in t- at times. Um, and it's basically about how his whole perception of 
Nazi Germany changes when he realises his mum is hiding a, a Jewish girl in the house. Mm. But it, it's just so, it's such a beautiful film, isn't it? It's so well done, like the everything from the costumes to the soundtrack, um, the acting's just impeccable. It's just, it's one of those films where you come away and it gives you a real warm, fuzzy feeling, doesn't it? Absolutely. I, I mean, this is going to maybe not sell it. It's the only film I've ever known my boyfriend Joe to cry at. Mm. Like, and he was like, I heard this sniffling. I turned around. I was like, oh, my God, are you crying? And he was like, I don't like this. But he did like it. He just didn't like that he was crying. It's one of the best portrayals I've seen as well. Of sort of, sort It sort of reminds you that like nobody's sort of really born evil, are they? It's like child's minds can be molded to go one way or the other yeah um, and he's eventually sort of like he's seeing the good isn't he like he he realizes how stupid it is and it's almost like it pokes the comedy and the humor in it is just poking fun at people who who did believe those things that Hitler yeah. said and, who, and, and sort of shining a light on how ridiculous it is yeah. like a lot of things they thought and believed about Jewish people like is and I guess away from World War Two and the horrors of the hor- um, the Holocaust it kind of shows the ridiculousness in prejudice altogether yeah. which is a really mm-hmm. beautiful thing um so the things that he thinks he hates um a certain demographic for are just he's never met one and mm. when he does meet meet one um of, of the of the type of person he thinks he'll hate he he likes them he ends up loving them and that's it I don't know it's just it's really sweet and it's really sweet and in that a pleasant surprise because it's dealing with a a subject matter that is often very serious and quite rightly so very grim yeah it's it's just it's very endearing isn't it but it's also making a huge point about the world and just human kindness and yeah very 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 good recommendation it's on Netflix now it's on now tv um yeah and it's got great fashion in it so what more do you want what did i watch i've watched a film called um official secrets with um keira knightley in it have you seen it and matt smith i haven't seen it this is the one about she is a whistleblower Mm -hmm. it is amazing you'd love it it's on amazon prime for free if you the account um and yes, yeah, she's. I've got the Wikipedia page up because I know I'll get something wrong as usual. <laughs> um, but it came out in 2019, I think. Um, yeah, it's about Catherine Gunn. Um, it's dramatised a little bit, I think, but most of it is sort of true. But yeah. she was a whistleblower who leaked a memo exposing an illegal spying operation by American and British, by the American and British intelligence services. Yeah. Um, and it's sort of about the way she was treated and her trial and um, I don't know whether I should say what happens in the end but I mean it is it is factual yeah yeah. Um, in the end when she has her trial um, they she just walks free because um, they ask for these specific governments these specific documents sorry Um, and the government are just like they refuse to give them because they know if they give these documents it'll just expose her, them as being in the wrong yeah and that they did try to sway um the vote the election um and yeah it just goes into more it, it's more it's about um sort of the the war with Iraq um and Tony Blair and Bush um yeah it's just very very interesting it's, it's I didn't know much about that sort of era and uh, very minimal about sort of like why we went to war 
um and it's, it's just yeah it's really interesting dark gripping um and just sort of makes you distrust the government even more and the people that are in power even more. right now. <laughs> yeah. It was, it, I was, I was sort of watching it and then Sam was kind of watching over my shoulder and he was like, oh, this is really good, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, shut up. <laughs> like, it's really, it's one of those ones where you're like, this, you just gripped to it. Um, so watch that, which I definitely recommend. And I've also been, well, I've binge watched it I'm not gonna lie and say I've watched two episodes when I've watched the whole thing <laughs> a new series of The Crown which I know you said you've not managed to get into it yet so yeah because we had like a little debrief didn't we before we started recording mm. so I've tried I'm I'm not a royalist at all but I don't believe you have to be a royalist to get into The Crown because I think it's so popular I think everyone just loves it don't they but I've tried on four separate occasions now and I just cannot get past. I think the most I managed to make a dent in it was three episodes into season one. And that was a real struggle. I just, yeah, I just can't, I can't get into it at all. It's, I totally agree. And I'm not, I, I, I'm always wary of talking about The Crown because I think like, I don't want people to think like, oh, I'm one of those people that stands outside of like Buckingham Palace with a little <laughs> flag because I'm, in no way am I a royalist. Um, and I'm not even sure we really need a, mo- um, a royal family in modern society. I'm not sure with like, you know, since the whole Meghan and Harry leaving, whether that's like going to become more of a, a thing now. Like I just, I don't know. I just, there's lots of things I don't agree with basically. And lots of things they've done that are very sketchy. Um, and the thing I like about The Crown, in particular, this new, this new series is the fact that it kind of calls bullshit on a lot of things they've done and it doesn't it's not biased it doesn't paint them out in a in a great light to be honest most of the time um and it really just sort of gives you a deep delve into a lot of what they've done and a lot of what they've covered up and what it sort of really means to be a member of the royal family which to be honest looks quite grim there's there's actually a bit in it that i found like it was quite a profound thing it's where um prince philip the queen's husband yeah I always want to call him Charles I always get them mixed up um says to Diana um she she says to him oh, I just feel like an irrelevant outsider and he's like darling we're all like hideous irrelevant outsiders like we've all got mental health issues we're all just we only exist because of her and by her he means the queen He's like, everything we do and everything we say is because of her. Like, we exist because of her, but we're all just irrelevant outsiders. And I thought that was quite a, it's quite like a profound thing when you think about it. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite, quite dark. Dark, yeah, that's what I was going to say. That's quite, imagine, because it, because that's supposed to be a family setup as well. Yeah. So there's no escaping that. Like, that's your, that's your family dynamic right there. Um, I can't imagine how, um, stifled the right word Diana must have felt um and how sort of trapped and and isolated and alone she must have felt at times as well because that's the era they're dealing with at the minute isn't it it's sort of the 80s early (laughs) 90s 80s early 90s yeah so there's a lot of things that we sort of would have heard about or maybe our parents would have spoken to us about but we wouldn't have necessarily known like in intense detail um but yeah, I, I, I've, I've watched a couple of the Diana documentaries on Netflix as well. And 
it is impossible. I think people felt such a connection to her because she was just normal. Um, she, or she, she was more normal in comparison to the others and had a more normal upbringing. I don't think she had a particularly very happy family life. And then, you know, she meets Charles. You see a scene in it, but it's true as well that she meets Charles um, when she's around 16, I think. And he sort of takes a shine to her and remembers her, which is problematic in itself, really. And then they finally get married again when she's about 19, I think. I think she was about 19, 20 when she became uh, a princess. And she talks about, in Diana in her own words, you can listen to her interviews as well, like after you watch the series, if you're interested in it. But she talks about how she basically developed bulimia within a couple of weeks of being the princess um, because she was left alone in um, Buckingham Palace, I think it was. Is it Buckingham Palace or was she staying somewhere else? Not not Windsor Castle. It might have been, yeah. She was left alone anyway, whilst he went on a sort of like six tour, doing his his duties or whatever. And it's just really sad because she obviously had this idea of what, she was obviously quite impressed by the royal family and she thought this was her calling in life. And then her dreams were just smushed very, very quickly. I think she describes it as she was pretty much a lamb to the slaughter. And it, it goes into detail as well about it follows um, his relationship with uh, Camilla Parker Bowles, who yeah. he was obviously very in love with from the beginning, even on their wedding day. And it was just, yeah. you just see it and you, from an outsider's perspective and just think it should have never have happened. Um, no, absolutely not. Because, I mean, like I said, I'm not a royalist, so I'm probably uh, factually, I don't know if anything I'm saying is right. So correct me if I'm wrong, anyone. But so he had a relationship with Camilla Parker Ball before he married yeah. Diana, didn't he? Yeah. And he As was always was, really in love with her. And yeah. yeah. So in that, in that respect, like it's awful, isn't it? It's torture knowing that you're marrying a man and probably being made to feel like you're always second fiddle. I can't imagine what that would do to a person. Yeah, and I think so. Camilla was married to um, a man called Andrew Parker Bowles, who was apparently very promiscuous and had lots of affairs. Um, so I think she was never really in love with him, and Charles was never really in love with Diana, and he he purposely bought their house in um, I think it's Gloucestershire or somewhere, which was close to Camilla's house, so they could meet up constantly. So although he was married to Diana, he was always in a relationship with Camilla from the start. Oh. There's, there's a bit in it where she's left alone in the apartment, Diana, and she opens some files and sees a bracelet that he's made with her initials on it, Camilla's initials. And then she sort of, that triggers an episode of like bulimia for her. So it was like all these things that were happening that that triggered her eating disorder. And then there was nobody around to sort of help her or guide her or, yeah. It's, it's just very, very sad, the whole thing. And then weirdly, Princess Anne, who is Charles's sister, yeah. had an affair with Camilla's husband, Andrew Parker Bowles. So it's all like very incestual and weird. I think I knew that as well. I think I knew that that did happen. There's also a bit in that Diana in her own words documentary where she says that Charles puts his hand on her waist and says something like, oh, we're, we're a bit chubby here, aren't we? That was what, like, triggered. That was another thing, like, <laughs> as well. I know, can you imagine, like, a young girl, like, just so many things that you just watch and you just despair. And then there's a famous interview where they're sort of being asked by the tabloids, like... I think they're about to get married and they're talking about how they're in love and, she, and the reporter says, are you in love? And she says, yes, yes, we're very happy. And then Charles just goes, yes, whatever love means. And that's like a thing that they run within the 
the crown series because it's just obviously like what a thing to say <laughs> that's awful um, okay so well you see you've sold it to me but I still know that I can't get past the first episode of the first season so and you don't need to watch it in in order because it's different eras anyway so whichever era you're most attracted to just watch that one but this has got Anderson as well who plays Thatcher who I love Gillian Anderson so much but she is a the voice of Thatcher <laughs> she does it sounds like she's dying or she smokes about 60 cigarettes a day I don't know why she's done such a over-the-top version of, of her voice but oh god but it's, it's a very it's a very good series it's a really interesting era as well um with the Thatcherism and it goes into like uh, do you remember uh, reading about um a man called Michael Fagan who was like a working class man who broke into the Queen's um, room and sat on the end of a bed because he wanted to talk to her about Thatcher and how bad the country had got. Yeah, it's really interesting. It deals with that as well. And that really happened. He sat on the end of a bed. He, he broke in. He, he broke He broke in twice, I think. And the second time he um, managed to sit on the end of a bed and wanted to, he was like, I'm not going to hurt you. I just want to talk to you about the country and Thatcher. Oh, and it was this real moment of two worlds colliding, like the British working class and and um the queen and um, so that's quite interesting to read about as well but yeah I've, I've really enjoyed it as you can tell yeah <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I honestly like I really wish I could watch it because there's elements that I feel like I would really like but yeah it just it won't happen for me unfortunately I'm an anomaly because I know how much people love it um and I've been really stuck with telly recently there's not actually um a great deal else out there um, I think I like it so much because it's one of those ones that you where you're constantly googling things and you learn a bit of history as well and I, th I think you'd really really like this one because it's just loads of just kind of cause bullshit on it like I said before like there's just loads of things they they don't dilly dally about and make it make it look like this nice palace where there are all these happy royals living and who think they're better than everyone it, it's it really kind of shows it in sort of a realistic sense I think and there's just so much so much shady stuff that they they did um it also there's an episode about um a couple of royal family members that um had severe learning disabilities that they covered up so loads of dark stuff um to get into with that and i think yeah give it a watch if you need something so i feel like i've rambled on about the crown for uh most of the episode uh, so i feel like we need to move on from that but yeah definitely watch it if i get it though i feel like when you find a series you really like you have to debrief with someone about it 100 um. <laughs> um have you been doing any christmas shopping how's how's the festive spirit in your household <laughs> Um, yeah, well, it's like I said earlier on in the episode, I feel like November has kind of sped by and now we are at that point when we actually legit need to start thinking about it. Um, Christmas shopping isn't going to be the same this year, is it? I think we all just need to be real about that. Um, but I do think I've actually taken a real positive from it because um I've been very conscious that we're going to have to buy online this year. And so I'm really trying to buy better with that. So I, I don't know, it doesn't sit right to me to buy online and then buy from your high street shops or your Amazon. And there's just no thought or love gone into it. It's just a quick 
convenient thing so I've been trying to buy from a lot of kind of local businesses online you know small trying to buy small Mm. and then trying to buy a lot of pre-loved and vintage things so I've bought a fair few presents off Etsy this year and and yeah just kind of basically if I am buying online which is the only choice we've got at the minute just making sure that there's a bit of thought gone into it so there's a bit more time to consider it as well because we're not all rushing around and as much as you know a lot of a lot of us still got busy days there is a bit more time to sort of sit down with the laptop and sort of look through Etsy and you know there is that extra time in front of the in front of screen a screen almost to kind of put that extra thought in um so definitely yeah shopping small is is the best thing you can do isn't it and shopping earlier on as well so like now is the time to start putting your orders in with smaller businesses because obviously they need more time to prep those orders and know what kind of stock they need and stuff um but yeah it just kind of feels nice to I guess it's like um a double whammy as well because I feel like you're putting more thought into your Christmas presents and then you're also putting thought into the fact that you are helping out these small businesses who are hugely struggling um this year and you know this this month and probably next month as well so um maybe we could we can do something uh we can put some links in the show notes um I was going to ask you is there anything that you want for Christmas in particular um and also if you could have one thing that's not like a physical materialistic item what would you have like is there any kind of I'm basically asking you for like your new year's resolution (laughs) is there anything that are you for what you can buy me for Christmas (laughs) oh what a question so (laughs) I don't really particularly want anything for Christmas this year just literally the 2020 staples like PJs and bed socks and things that I actually know I'll get wear out of um face masks <laughs> yeah but yeah like like things for pampering is there anything you want for Christmas this year before I broach my new year's resolution <laughs> I love how you're like yeah anything for pampering whereas I meant face masks in like face coverings and you're like <laughs> <laughs> priorities <laughs> uh is there anything I want um apart from a new tooth <laughs> we established earlier there's a song about that yeah, I know. Thank God it's not a front tooth, though. Crap, that's <laughs> all I need this year. Jesus. Um, in terms of, like, um, materialistic things, no. Um, in terms of sort of more philosophical things. Yeah, well, actually, um, you, you asked the question. I think it was quite a, a big and maybe difficult question. What's the thing that you would like that's not necessarily a physical thing? Um... It's, tr- it's hard to think I'm, I'm thinking al- almost like in terms of the world but then I'm thinking mm, let's bring it back towards like my life a bit more and yeah. um, I don't know I feel I feel like lockdown has has brought about a lot of feelings for a lot of people and it's sort of brought a lot of things to the surface that many of us maybe haven't dealt with or whatever and I think I'd just like to continue to work on myself and um just improve who I am as a person I guess and just how I deal with things and like um yeah I just I feel like lockdown has been it's been difficult like extremely difficult like in terms of like dealing with like personal trauma and things like that but then it's also been an eye-opener as well because it's kind of made me 
it's kind of made me it's, it's made me zoom in on those things that I do that I was kind of ignoring before because I had a busy lifestyle and I was rushing around all the time and I think that's a sentiment I want to carry through to like next year and beyond is just to slow down a bit more not put as much pressure on myself um just be kind to myself I think um and not feel like I need to be constantly busy and killing myself um work-wise to be successful I think if we if we could all take one thing away or if we could all have you know a gift that we carry through from this year it'd be to just slow down and take stock in what's actually important a bit more and stuff I used to get stressed about I look back and I'm like god <laughs> you didn't know you the park now. <laughs> I know I know I'd, I'd say I'd have to agree with you on that I think the one thing if we're calling it a news resolution or just a non-material gift um is just to be kind of more thankful of the things that I've got as well um I can be a real stickler for being really hard on myself Um, and in turn then it's almost like I don't appreciate the good things in my life if that makes sense. Um, I was thinking about this the other day like I was saying to Sam like we don't celebrate things enough like small things you know like works work things or work goals that you've completed or say if you get like a really exciting job or project or um you've you've done a really exciting collaboration or maybe you got like through your to-do list that week like they're all things that are worth celebrating and I think we're very wired to sort of be like oh but I've still got these next other 10 goals now that I need to move on to and I think just like you say just stopping and appreciating things more and Instagram does trick us into thinking that we all need you know a bigger and better house and a bigger and better life and like, oh, and even things like on Instagram where I will post a picture and it won't really get, I think, you know, this is the eternal dilemma of uh, being an influencer and a blogger. You'll put a picture up, it won't really get seen because the algorithm won't have caught it and it will get no likes. Well, it will get likes, but it will get a low sort of engagement. And then you're really hard on yourself and you think, no one likes me, no, you know, not no one likes me, but like everything I'm doing is is for nothing and it feels really disheartening but then actually like you need to step away and go hang on a minute like I'm so lucky um you know there are all of these people who are supporting me whether I'm getting 10 likes or 10,000 likes that is still that is someone out there who is supporting what I do and that's really like a, a very beautiful thing and so I think it's just trying to what's the word like I guess put things into perspective perspective yeah 100% um get what you're saying is you know we're so lucky to work in the medium that we do um and to have continued working this year as well is such a it's not lost on me as a freelancer that I've been able to continue to work when so many people are struggling in the creative industries um music industry like the musical theatre and stuff like that um but yeah I hope those industries get I I guess that's like a nice gift as well like I hope those industries like thrive in the next few years and get their sparkle back back a bit because I do sort of feel like the creative industries have been forgotten this year which is absolutely I feel I mean I know that we've spoke about this before I know this firsthand from what my boyfriend does he's a musician um so it's not just him it's all of his uh, band members and their crew and then it's not just their crew it's the people who sponsor their instruments mm-hmm. and back to their instruments their management you know the the thing about the entertainment industry is that I think it's hard to get a real uh, perspective on 
is how many jobs that really does cover because yeah. it's not just the actor or the musician it's the the lorry driver who's gonna take all the rigging to Glastonbury Festival and do you know what I mean it's all of those little businesses that you don't even um associate with the entertainment industry that you know are being hugely affected by this and I agree with you I think I hope this time next year what we're saying about the entertainment industry is obsolete and we don't need to be talk about it anymore yeah I mean, it's, it's such a kick in the teeth wasn't it when we were told to advise to retrain you know to to do something else if you're <laughs> it's like the creative industries are the vibrancy of life like they're the things that we all enjoy and probably and you know definitely don't appreciate enough so yeah I hope if anything's come out this year as well it will be that we appreciate people that do creative jobs um because it's not easy and you know if it was if it was so easy everyone would be doing them wouldn't they so exactly and most of the time it's a raw passion and a raw talent and yeah. so we don't want to lose those people so yeah also I just have to apologize um Pep was digging up <laughs> I don't know if you could hear but Pep was digging up his bed is he yeah. looking for his Christmas present? <laughs> yeah, and it was going on for a really long time and I was like trying to zone it out. <laughs> um, but yeah, so sorry about that if you could hear him doing that. <laughs> well, I feel like that was a nice little way to wrap up the end um, of this podcast. And yeah, I feel like, you know, if you are a creative or you are struggling or you own a small business out there, um, we appreciate you and we support you and send in strength. Um, and yeah, we'll be back soon with a festive episode, I think, won't we? We need to discuss it in more detail, but... <laughs> yeah, we'd like to have you guys involved. So we're going to we're gonna try and plan something for that. Um, so keep your eyes posted over on Instagram for updates and we will see you in our next one. See you soon. Bye. Bye.